Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you ever feel stuck in life? You ever feel like you're caught in a situation you don't like? And that no matter how hard you try, it feels like you're spinning your wheels, that you cannot escape from it? Sometimes we feel that way when we're dealing with chronic pain or with ongoing illness. We undergo various treatments and attempt different things to get relief from the pain. But we continue to face ongoing struggles in health. At times, we get stuck in relationship difficulties, and we cannot seem to work through them no matter what we try. Sometimes we struggle to deal with anger issues, anxiety, or depression. At times we abuse alcohol or drugs to try escape the troubles facing us, and we hate how dependent we've become on them. Sometimes debt bogs us down. No matter what we do, the bills keep coming. We cannot seem to get ahead in life. Beloved, doesn't it sometimes seem like we're powerless to effect change? That no matter how hard we try, we're still trapped in the pit? We know that we serve Almighty God, who's capable of doing anything He wants. We are children of our Father in Heaven, and and we know that He loves us with a deep and an abiding love. And so, we go to God in prayer. We lay our needs before the throne of grace. We pray about our difficulties and struggles, and we ask God to help us with them. We expect God to hear and to answer our prayers. But God doesn't always give us what we want or expect. Or He does but not at the time when we're looking for his aid. And in the meantime, we can get so frustrated or even despondent, waiting for an answer that never seems to come. Consider Joseph's situation. He'd been sold into slavery by his brothers because they hated him and could not stand his dreams about ruling over them. While serving under Potiphar, Joseph had used his gifts and talents to the best of his ability. Potiphar recognized that God blessed everything he put under Joseph's care. He entrusted all he had into his hands. But Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of trying to seduce her. And so he ended up in jail. That was not a pleasant experience for Joseph. In Psalm 105, the psalmist recounts the history of God's people. The psalmist speaks of how Joseph's feet were hurt with fetters, how his neck was put in a collar of iron. Joseph's feet were chained together, restricting his movement and preventing him from ever making a speedy escape. At least at certain times during his imprisonment, he was chained in place with an iron collar around his neck. Even though the end of Genesis 39 told us that Joseph found favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison and was entrusted with great responsibilities there, he was still in jail. 
When Joseph speaks about his experiences in our text, he says he was put into the pit. He was in a deep hole he could not get out of. In a place where he had no freedom. He'd been unfairly convicted on the basis of a false charge made by Potiphar's wife. Joseph had no prospects of getting out of prison. The most difficult thing Joseph faced was the question, where is God? And why isn't he helping me? We can face the same sorts of questions at times in our lives. We ask, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I preach you the word of God under the following theme. It is hard to wait for the Lord when we're stuck in the pit. Well, consider how waiting for God to act is hard. And how God will deliver us when the time is right. When our text begins, Joseph is languishing in jail. Our text tells us that the dreams of the cupbearer and baker happened some time after this. We know that Joseph was sold into slavery at age 17, that he was 30 years old when he entered the service of the king of Egypt. It's likely he spent years in jail prior to the events of our text. It's hard to imagine how difficult this would have been for Joseph. He went from having a responsible position in Potiphar's house to being an inmate in jail, bound with fetters, with an iron collar around his neck. Not only had Joseph lost his freedom, he was also put in jail unfairly. He had refused Potiphar's wife's advances day after day, refusing to sin against God and his master. And yet he ended up in jail because he was falsely accused of trying to seduce her. If one of us was falsely accused and sent to jail today, we'd be allowed to take our Bible with us. We could draw daily comfort from the Word of God. But Joseph did not have that privilege. He was living near the beginning of God's revelation to his people. Joseph lived before Moses and the giving of the law. God's people did not have a Bible at that time. While struggling with God's direction in his life, Joseph had nobody and nothing to answer the questions he faced. He was aware of the Lord as his faithful covenant God. He knew of the promises the Lord had made to Jacob and his family. Perhaps he was able to draw on the dreams God had given him in earlier times. But for a long time, there was no new revelation from God. In those days, God revealed himself to his people through special means. At times, he appeared to them, like he did to Abraham when he promised to give him a son through Sarah. And when he told Abraham about his plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 
More often, the Lord spoke to the patriarchs through visions and dreams. Joseph was aware of how the Lord had appeared to his father Jacob at different times, revealing himself and his promises to him. Joseph himself had also had those two dreams about his family bowing down before him. Our text tells us that Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker committed some offense against him. He was angry with them and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. These men were high-ranking officials in Egypt. They were in charge of providing food and drink for the king's table. With access to the king, they were some of the most privileged nobility in the land of Egypt. But due to some offense, they'd been put in jail. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. Despite his difficult circumstances, Joseph still went about his daily tasks, and he did them well. Genesis 39 ended by noting that the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Our text makes it plain that although he had been unfairly accused, Joseph was not filled with self-pity. Even though he was in the pit, he didn't get mired down in his own struggles. Despite his hardships, Joseph was not self-absorbed. There's a real lesson for us in this, beloved. There are times in life when we face struggles and difficulties, dealing with illness, relationship problems, debt, the loss of loved ones, anxiety, depression, and the like. Often our tendency is to push other people away while we try to deal with our own problems. Perhaps we let a few who are close to us help or support us. But during difficult times, we can become very self-focused. Struggling to deal with our own problems, we can be blind to everything going on around us. We don't have the headspace or heart space to deal with the struggles others are facing. Yet consider how Joseph served while in jail. His circumstances were truly miserable, so much so that he later pleads for help, saying he did nothing deserving of being put into the pit. Yet Joseph was not so self-absorbed, he lost interest in the plight of his fellow prisoners. When he came to see the king's cupbearer and baker one morning, he saw that they were troubled. He actually looked at them. He noticed that their faces were downcast. He cared enough to ask them what was wrong. Beloved, one of the best things you can do when you're faced with troubles in your own life is to have an open eye for those around you who may be dealing with trouble or sorrow in their lives. Look them in the face. Be concerned about their well-being. 
Ask them how they're doing. Show them you care. If you have opportunity, do something small to give them support. There are times when our own problems are so big, we may not have much opportunity to provide help for others. But showing understanding and being supportive are often what we need the most when dealing with trials and brokenness in our own lives. In our text, Joseph's caring attitude helped the king's cupbearer and baker to share their troubles with him. They told Joseph, we've had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. The Egyptians believed that the gods revealed themselves in dreams. They believed that dreams often related to the future and gave warnings, advice, and prophecies. Thus, the interpretation of dreams was big business in the ancient world. The temple priests were the professional fortune tellers of those days. The cupbearer and baker were troubled because they had no one to interpret their dreams while they were in jail. Thus, they would have no advance warning of what was about to befall them. No way of preparing for their fate or of trying to forestall it. Joseph knew that it was the Lord who gave people dreams. He said to the king's officials, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell your dreams to me. Joseph understood that he was the only one in prison able to interpret dreams. It was because of his relationship with the Lord. He believed that if the Lord, out of his goodness, had given these men dreams to communicate with them, then God would also help him serve as interpreter of these dreams. Joseph was also confident that whatever God foretold in these dreams would come to pass. The chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He saw a vine with three branches that grew clusters of grapes. He pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and brought it to him. Joseph explained to the cupbearer that in three days, Pharaoh would lift up his head and restore him to his office of being cupbearer for the king. The baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, so he also told Joseph his dream. In his dream, he had three cake, three cake baskets on his head. In the top baskets were all sorts of food for Pharaoh, but the birds of the air were eating it. Joseph explained to the baker that in three days, Pharaoh would also lift up his head from him to hang it on a tree, and the birds would eat up his flesh. After explaining the cupbearer's dream, Joseph asked the cupbearer for a favor. He pleaded with him, saying, Only remember me when it's well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. He explained, For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Joseph knew that Pharaoh's cupbearer was an important official in the land. Through his dream, he knew that the Lord was going to restore him to his office. That meant he would have access to Pharaoh. 
In Egypt, Pharaoh was the supreme power in the land. And as the high priest of every temple, Pharaoh represented the gods on earth. He had the power to rescue Joseph from his unjust imprisonment. Joseph saw this as a golden opportunity to get out of prison. The plea Joseph made is heart-stirring. He asked the cupbearer, please remember me. The word remember is an important word in Scripture. At times, the Bible encourages us to remember the Lord and His mighty deeds. At times, people call on the Lord to remember them, to deliver them from their need or distress. Very often, the word to remember involves more than simply a mental process of reflection on what's happened in the past. It often involves a plea for action. Remember me is often a plea for that person to help or deliver the person making the request. The opposite of to remember is to forget. Joseph felt forgotten, passed by. After being in jail day after day, week after week, month after month, for years now, Joseph felt abandoned and forsaken. Where was God in the midst of his struggles? Had the Lord forgotten about him? As the years went by, it would have been difficult for Joseph to hold on to hope for a better future. Once he had received those special dreams about his brother's sheaves bowing down to his sheaf of grain and about the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowing down before him. There were dreams that indicated that his whole family would someday bow before him. But that was so long ago. And Joseph was languishing in prison. Did he dare to even hope for a better future anymore? Perhaps you can relate to Joseph's circumstances, beloved. Perhaps you're suffering chronic pain or dealing with poor health. And it seems like your life is stuck in neutral. It feels like you're never making any progress. It's a few steps forward and then some more steps backward. Perhaps you struggle with anxiety or depression. Sometimes you feel like you're getting on top of your situation. But something happens and you spiral out of control again. Perhaps you struggle in marriage or family relationships or in living in harmony with a particular person in the church community. You work hard to resolve issues, and then something happens, and you're back to square one again. Some in our midst would love to find a partner in life, but despite praying about it, the right person just doesn't seem to come along. Some earnestly desire to receive children, at times you have hope that, the, that perhaps the Lord will grant the desire of your hearts. 
But each month the time comes when you realize it isn't happening yet. At times in old age, or when we face extreme brokenness in life, we may pray for the Lord to take us home. More than anything else, we desire our present suffering to end and for Jesus to come back or to take us into joy and glory that he has promised. But although we may pray for that at night, the next morning we wake up and we're still here. Waiting for the Lord can be hard. It's hard to wait when our sufferings grow long. We find it hard to keep on believing and hoping God will really answer our prayers when going through intense struggles in our lives. We can begin to doubt God's goodness and care. Or we think that we're not good enough to deserve his intervention. Our faith and our hope in God can ebb away. We can get to the point where we no longer ask anything of God or expect much from him. We can feel neglected and abandoned by God, cast onto the trash heap of life. <clears throat> Beloved, we've seen how hard it is to wait for the Lord to act when we're stuck in the pit. In our second point, we'll consider how God will deliver us when the time is right. For many years, Joseph had no one to plead his cause. He saw the king's cupbearer as his ticket out of jail. He knew that it was the Lord who had given Pharaoh's officials dreams, that it was the Lord who had enabled him to interpret these dreams. Perhaps now there was finally a way to get out of the pits. So Joseph asked the cupbearer, when it's well with you, do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. The word our Bible translates as kindness is actually a word that means covenant faithfulness. It's often translated as steadfast love. It's a word that combines the notions of loyalty and love. Most often this word is used of the Lord's dealings with his covenant people. It is a description of the Lord's covenant faithfulness and his steadfast love toward his people. When Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity, the people were crushed. They did not understand how this could happen to them. But there was one thing that gave them hope in the midst of despair. The writer of Lamentations prays to the Lord to remember his affliction and wanderings the bitterness and the gall of his situation. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's when Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him and to show him kindness. He did so using a word that showed his confidence in the Lord. Joseph thought the cupbearer was his way of getting out of jail. 
He thought that the Lord had finally remembered him, that the Lord would now show him his steadfast love. Joseph thought that the time for his deliverance was at hand. But sadly, that was not the case. Our text tells us how Joseph's interpretation of the cupbearer and baker's dreams came to pass. On the third day after their dreams, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. This was evidence to Joseph that God had once more made himself known while he was in prison. It would have been a tremendous encouragement to him. God was again at work on his behalf. Now he would finally get out of prison. But then comes the final verse of our text. It says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph was expecting to hear a knock on the prison door and footsteps coming up the corridor to tell him he was free to go. But nothing happened. Gradually, he would have realized that the cupbearer had forgotten him, that there would be no remembrance, no loyalty or steadfast love shown to him. Imagine Joseph's despair. The Lord could easily have brought his plight to the cupbearer's remembrance. Yet despite Joseph's faithfulness in the midst of all the trials he underwent, he still had to remain in the pit for a longer time. This is one of the most painful things we can ever undergo in life. Feeling forgotten, abandoned, forsaken. In such circumstances, we may cry out to the Lord asking, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? At times, we may, we may no longer have the energy or hope to express such a prayer to God. Think of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 88. He expressed his despair with these words. My soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hands. The psalmist felt like the Lord had taken his companions and loved ones from him. In the end, his soul was inconsolable. He said, the darkness is my closest friend. Beloved, have you ever had your back against the wall like that? 
Have you ever experienced such brokenness and darkness that you felt abandoned by your friends and forsaken by God himself? The fact that we experience deep struggles, that we go down to the pit, that we at times face despair and hopelessness should not surprise us. The scriptures show us that many upright and godly people have done so before us. We live in a broken and sinful world, in a world cursed because of our sin. Although we were created in the image of God, sin has defiled and distorted who we are. We're subject to sickness, pain, sorrow, and even death. These things can cause great struggles, deep despair. Prolonged suffering can lead to hopelessness, to deep depression. Our text presents us with an incomplete story. Joseph expected the cupbearer to be his ticket out of prison. Was he? Ultimately, yes. But not at that time. There was a reason why the Lord did not bring Joseph to his remembrance sooner. If he had remembered Joseph when he got out of prison, he may have been able to deliver Joseph from the pit. But what about God's people? What about the reason why God brought Joseph to Egypt? God was going to use Joseph as a mighty instrument in his hand to deliver Israel from famine, to spare their lives in desperate times. But to do that, Joseph had to wait for God's perfect timing. Joseph didn't know God's plan for his life any better than we know God's plan for our lives. But we do know more about God's redemptive purposes than Joseph did. For we have the fullness of God's revelation in the Bible. We need to realize that disappointments, setbacks, and testing are often part of God's plan for our lives. We need to recognize that dashed hopes and closed doors can be part of God's blessing for us. Yet a question remains, especially if we're in the pit, if we're currently undergoing trials and struggles and facing the brokenness of life. How can I be sure that God has a perfect plan for my life? In the midst of hopelessness and despair, is there anything to give me hope? To answer that question, we need to look at the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Like Joseph, he led a holy life of faithfulness to God. Like Joseph, he was unjustly accused of wrongdoing and delivered into the hands of wicked men for punishment. Jesus was truly abandoned by his companions and friends, and ultimately he was completely forsaken by God. 
in his sufferings, Jesus remembered the Psalms. He asked all the questions of those who find themselves in the pit. He prayed, deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let the flood not sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Did God hear Jesus? Did he deliver him? Not right away. First, Jesus had to complete God's plan for his life. He was crucified. He hung for three hours on a cross while darkness filled the land. During that time, he was utterly forsaken by God. He suffered the torments of hell. He bore God's eternal wrath against our sins. Jesus had to wait for the Lord's deliverance. Yet God did deliver him. He raised him from the dead and seated him at the throne on his right hand. Jesus was given a position of great glory. He was exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our victorious King who has triumphed over sin and Satan and death. That has consequences for your lives, beloved. Jesus was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the right hand of God. He let his blessed body be nailed to the cross to cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. He was forsaken by God that we might never more be forsaken by him. God is with you even in the most trying times of your lives. He has not forgotten you. Perhaps he's not blessing you in the manner that you were expecting him to bless you. But even when you're in the pit, God is with you. In Hebrews 13, the Lord made this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Wait for the Lord, beloved. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from Psalm 40. We'll sing stanzas one, two, and seven.